0: It really is so good to see you and I was uh, during our, our worship time today and wherever it is that you join us from, from Cambridge, from London, from Leicester in Cafe Church, I'm always amazed at the wonder of the family of God. Last weekend we were, I was preaching in Penang in uh, Malaysia the week before that in Kuala Lumpur and, and this weekend... Um, here in this venue, at least in in Peterborough. And it's just a wonder to be part of the family wherever we are in the world. And it's also a joy to be beginning this this new series on Advent. Advent is that season when Christians prepare for the coming of Jesus. And so the title of this message uh, this weekend is Have Yourself a Very Different Christmas. Have yourself... A very different Christmas. And I'm going to read a couple of readings from Matthew's Gospel. Matthew chapter 1 verse 18 says this. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph her husband was faithful to the law. And yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he would considered this. And took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. And then Matthew 2 verse 13, now Jesus has been born, but there are perilous, dangerous forces uh, seeking to destroy him. And so here's what we read. When they'd gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Before we really dive into this story, I need to tell you uh, a story about another couple, but I need to give you a little bit of a health warning. It's a kind of a traumatic story. So if you are of a nervous disposition, uh, you might consider just reaching out and holding hands with the person next to you just to steady your nerve. I was actually joking. Let go of that sweaty hand right now. But here's the story. It's perhaps familiar to you. Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water, Jack fell down, broke his crown, and Jill came tumbling after. It's such a familiar story that uh, no one really dives into the story, because quite frankly, ladies and gentlemen, there are some serious health and safety issues here in this story. First of all, there are some questions. Why was the only water source for Jack to be found at the top of a hill when water is normally found at the bottom of a hill? These things keep me awake at night. Uh, Did Jill want to go up the hill with Jack or did she feel coerced and under pressure and just went along with it? Did Jack fall or was he pushed? And then when he broke his crown, a pressing question, uh, was it fixed immediately or did he have to appear on a National Health Service waiting list? It's a familiar story, you see, but no one really ever asks what it's really all about because we just know the story. And it seems to me that Christmas can be the same. The angels when they announced the birth of Jesus to the shepherds they said we've got news for you news as one translation puts it of exceeding great joy it was news here's our problem it's not news in the same way to us familiarity can breed not so much contempt, but indifference. And in the blur of Christmas, with so much that's going on, we can miss out on the the core message of this most incredible story. We're busily eating. Do you know the the average person in the UK will consume 7,000 calories on Christmas Day? Did you know that at one point in history, under the leadership of Oliver Cromwell, mince pies were banned? They were illegal. Can you imagine the police showing up at your house? Step away from the mince pies, sir. (laughs) People do really weird things. Uh, uh, We we go frantically shopping. How how many of us here today, uh, you're already way ahead with your Christmas shopping. I'd like you to raise your hand that we might collectively despise you. Just go ahead and... (laughs) And, and shopping, it's, it's manic, and, and, and people do the weirdest things. We make fashion choices we would never make. And the dodgier the jumper, the more attractive it is at Christmas. We, we take perfectly good wine, we put it in a saucepan, and we boil it. And we call it mould wine. And we watch films that we've watched dozens of times, and we chop down innocent trees and bring them in the house. Uh, there's all kinds of weird things that happens at Christmas. Germans, Germans, I'm not making this up, they put a Christmas tree in the house, but they hide a pickle in the tree. It sounds like Monty Python, doesn't it? They hide a pickle in the tree, and the children have to find the pickle. Whoever finds the pickle in the tree gets a prize. Man, those, people need to get out more. In Sweden, 40% of the Swedish population stops everything at 3 p.m., 3 p.m. on Christmas Day, because they do a rerun of a Donald Duck movie. In Venezuela, in the capital, Caracas, people go to church on roller skates. Closer to home, in Porth Call in Wales, in Bridge End, Wales... Thousands gather every year to watch swimmers dressed in fancy dress go into the icy waters and they do this ridiculous thing because after doing that they will be rewarded with the gift of a mug. (laughs) Christmas can become a time of strange traditions and well-oiled routines, but we can miss the guts of it. E.B. White who wrote Charlotte's Web once lamented To perceive Christmas through its wrapping becomes more difficult with every year Here's a question Could we, could we perhaps have a very different Christmas? And maybe as we ask that question, Joseph can help us He really is the consummate, unsung hero You don't often see Joseph on those Christmas cards, do you? These Christmas cards always freak me out because they're all so unreal Mary is dressed from head to foot as a blue nun and looks unbelievably healthy despite having given birth in a stable. And Jesus is only half an hour old, but he's already sitting up chatting chatting with the wise men. It's amazing. It's well ahead. And then you've got all those grinning cows and donkeys standing around in the softly moonlit Chanel number 5 smelling hay with this grinning ox. But you never see Joseph, do you? What's he up to? He's He's probably out the back fixing a wonky coffee table or something. He's never there. And it's not just on the Christmas cards. He doesn't make a big appearance in the Bible either. He's only mentioned 16 times. He's not mentioned at all in the Gospel of Mark. Matthew doesn't mention him at all after chapter 2. Luke ignores him after chapter 4. John only mentions him twice. But here's a man who had a very different Christmas and he made a major contribution, a man of the supernatural, as we see. He had four dreams that changed the course of human history. And he allowed himself, to, his life, to be totally revolutionized. By God. And in the blur of life, where at Christmas time, even more so than ever, we can get into the blur of go to work to get the money to buy the food, to give you the strength to go to work, to get the money to buy the food, to give you the strength to go to work, to get the money to buy the, and Christmas shopping, and the relatives are coming, and who's bringing the beans, and what are we going to get for Auntie Frieda. We can miss the very DNA, the very heartbeat of the Advent message. So how can we have a very different Christmas? First of all, first of all, Christmas can be different as we commit to give gifts of acts of kindness. Christmas can be different as we commit to give gifts of acts of kindness. Look at what Matthew 1.19 says, "'Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law,' one translation says he was righteous, yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly.'" Joseph was righteous. I, I've met Christians, if I can be honest, I've met Christians who are righteous, but they're not very nice. They, they're, they're rigidly committed to truth, but they're just, not, they're just not very pleasant. But this man was righteous. He loved God. He loved the law. And then he gets a problem. Can you imagine the conversation between Mary and Joseph? I think we read it because it's not news. And, you know, as if Mary said... I, I've got a bit of news. Joseph says, what's occurring? And she says, "Um, I'm pregnant. And he says, who did that? (laughs) And she says, God. I think he might have been tempted to say, hello. (laughs) Or something like it in the Greek. It's a problem. And, And potentially... He could have ended their engagement at that point. He could have exposed her to public humiliation or worse. Potentially she could be stoned as an adulteress. Although there are occasions in the New Testament record where that happened or was about to happen. Jesus rescued a woman from stoning. But this was a dangerous, precarious moment. But it says... he. He did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He protected her. One writer says he had a short but tragic struggle between his legal conscience and his love. He is righteous, but he is kind. I think kindness is underrated. Do you know that we can turn the heads and hearts of the world with kindness? 1 Corinthians 13, love is kind. Ephesians 4, be kind and compassionate. God is kind. One of the most beautiful words in the Old Testament is, is Hassed, which means his loving kindness. How might we be kind? Maybe, maybe it means intentionally being kind to that irritating relative that you're entertaining for Christmas and who you can barely wait to see. And they always buy you a rubbish Christmas present, the pink, ill-fitting socks. And they always take too much Turkey and complain that the Christmas pudding is too hard. And they never help with the washing up. And you're out there with your armpits in the suds, fantasizing about assassinating them. (laughs) Kindness. What about kindness to that lonely retired person who's alone down the street, who goes to Sainsbury's, Tesco's, whatever, Not because they need some more scotch porridge oats, but because they want to have a 30 second conversation with the cashier. What about kindness? Kindness is powerful. A few weeks ago, we were in Denver Airport, and we, I don't like airports. Uh, I I know some people think that flying is exciting. I've flown about 4 million miles. That's why I look like this. I'm only 26, and all this (laughs) travel. Airports, airports are filled with people who are there because they want to be somewhere else. That's quite profound, isn't it? You might want to write that down. They're emotional black holes. So we're on the train in Denver Airport, and we noticed a lady, and I won't bore you with all the details, but on the train, and in, on the escalator when we got off the train, we watched her commit two random, beautiful acts of kindness. And I said to Kay. Look at that lady over there, we, we like people watching. Anybody else like that? We, we go out for dinner, we don't talk to each other, we listen to the conversations. Sometimes I, I go for dinner with Kay and I, and I start to say something, she goes, shh, shh, shh. <laughs> I know what, I'm buying a surveillance equipment for Christmas. <laughs> And we like the people watch, and, and this lady is kind in the train, and she's kind on the escalator. There's 1,200 flights a day out of Denver, but she's on our flight. And you know, we're lining up for the flight, and the gate attendant's got the, the old electric cattle prod, you know, get in there. And she's kind to the gate attendant three times. And I got on the plane, and Kay and I were not sitting next to each other because it was like grab a seat and hope for the best. I was sitting there and I had this sense that I felt like maybe God said to me, find her when you get off the flight and encourage her about her kindness. I thought, that's a bit weird. That's going to seem really strange, isn't it? Me going up to some random woman. Hello. Don't be nervous or anything, but I've been watching you. (laughs) Yes. 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 Anyway, I got off the plane, told Kay what I felt and we looked around and we couldn't find her and I thought, praise the Lord, I am going got to do it. <laughs> Lost my mission, that's great. Went to baggage claim, looked around, couldn't find her. I thought, hallelujah, that's good, I'm done. And I'm standing there at baggage claim, minding my own business and I turn around and she's standing right next to me, <laughs> right there. And I thought, oh no. I, I, I'm preparing myself, hello. Hello. And then her bag... I'm just standing there trying to think about what to say, and her bag fell over at my feet. I thought, this is the moment. There's, an, there's a bag kicking angel at work. <laughs> so I picked up her bag, and I said, look, and her phone rang. She starts to look on her phone, I thought, ah. Then I thought, oh, praise God, that's good. I picked up her bag. Maybe that fulfills the mission. So she's talking on the, pl- the phone, and then she hung up, and... Then she went to grab her bags, and then she went to walk away. And she's standing about 10 meters away, just standing there. And our bags arrived, and I thought, oh, what do I do? And as we walked past her, as we walked past her, her bag fell over at my feet again. I thought there's like a vandal angel floating around. Now, I don't normally go for this sort of stuff. You know, I, I don't pray for parking spaces anymore unless I need one. And I said, uh, I, I picked up a bat. I said, "Excuse me, madam." She, she, she said, I, "Yes." I said, "I know this is a bit weird, but I, I'm a pastor. Not that that's weird." <laughs> and I said, um, "My wife and I noticed three times that you were so kind to people. And I'm a pastor, and I prayed that I'd have an opportunity to talk to you and thank you for." brightening people's days and, and, and the, your kindness that we observe. Thank you so much. And I step back and she burst into tears. It's like a mascara fest. <laughs> <laughs> One minute she's looking perfectly demure. The next minute she looks like Dracula. It was unbelievable. <laughs> and, and, and I'm like, oh, oh. she's like, oh thank you, thank you, thank you. I said, that's all right, that's all right. She said that's lovely. I've got to go to the bathroom to fix my face. <laughs> and Eric, here's where the story should the story should go like this. And then she said, "What must I do to be saved?" <laughs> she didn't. One plants the seed, the other waters it. But somehow I came away from that encounter realizing that heaven notices kindness. How might we be kind? Secondly, let's have ourselves a very different Christmas as we're open to a change of direction from God. As we're open to a change of direction from God. Joseph woke up. He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. This was difficult. They were betrothed. That's not like getting engaged. It's bigger than that. When a couple were betrothed, parents would be involved, marital vows would be exchanged, that the couple would not be together as man and wife for about a year. But it was during that year-long interlude that Mary announces that she is pregnant. And so Joseph thinks, I better do this, and God breaks in and speaks to him and says, no, I want you to do that There's a change of direction. Is it possible during this Advent season as we, as it were, await His coming, is it possible that we could posture ourselves with a fresh openness to a new whisper from God that might be radical, revolutionary? Yesterday we drove into Peterborough. We have a dear friend who is in palliative care, who 40 years ago when we were in Peterborough, he and his wife were like a spiritual mum and dad to us. They were so helpful. And we went to see them yesterday, effectively to thank them, told that he hasn't got very long left, and to pray with them and to honour them. We went to minister to them. And we're sitting in this nursing home in Bourne yesterday and having a nice old chat. It was wonderful. And he remembered stuff I didn't remember about 40 years ago. And then suddenly, completely out of the blue, like no warning, no complete change of subject. I I won't go into the details, but he effectively prophesied into my life, naming a person who's had a significant impact on my life. Totally out of the blue. I'm like, whoa! Where'd that come from? You see, God can speak in moments that are unexpected. But I believe that if we could posture ourselves to say, Lord, speak because we are listening, wouldn't that be the best Christmas gift? Better than a gift certificate from next? The word of the Lord? And what about the change of direction for someone who wants to become a Christian? What if this Christmas story is true? And as followers of Jesus, we believe, of course, that it is. John Betjeman's poem, Christmas. He says, And is it true, this most tremendous tale of all, seen in the stained glass windows hue, a baby in an ox's stall, the maker of the stars and sea, become a child on earth for me? What? If this is true... Everything is different. Our purpose for living, our priorities, our hope, our approach to life, the way that we encounter death, everything is changed because he came. And we're no longer meandering around on a spinning planet, hoping to suck some meaning from the fabric of life, but rather Christ has come in the beginning, was the word, and God has revealed himself. Everything's different. But what if everything could be different for you? I can imagine someone sitting here in the venue where you're gathering and sharing in this and you're saying, this is, this is nice, this is good, but I don't think it's for me. What if, it, what if it's exactly for you? Because God loves you. A new openness to a change in direction. Thirdly, let's have ourselves a very different Christmas as we determine to be faithful in this season. As we determine to be faithful in this season. One of the most forgotten, overlooked perhaps, elements to this story is the self control that Mary and Joseph have. Because they get married, but they don't come together as husband and wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. They wanted it to be very clear that this child was born of a virgin. She had subsequent children. We know about that from Matthew 12, Mark 3. Jesus had younger brothers and sisters. This self-control. Christmas is not exactly known for self-control, is it? People say stuff like, go on, it's Christmas. As if the shift in the calendar changes our morality. Or they say, a little bit of what you fancy does you good. You try telling that to Adam and Eve. Or they say, look, everyone's doing it. Because we're creatures of the herd. That's how fashions are created. Because we grow with the crowd. I mean, forgive me, ladies, don't get upset. But you ladies even go to the loo in groups. You do that. One of you gets up and says, I'm off to the loo, 45 of you jump up. (laughs) That's why it takes you so long. You have to take a number when you get in there. (laughs) Blokes don't do that, do we? No, us blokes. I don't say, I need the loo. Who wants to come with me? (laughs) We don't do that. No, but in the last few days, I've watched those young men who go and pour 12 pints down their mouths down their throats, because what everyone's doing, this is fun, guess what I'm going to do at the end of the evening, I'm going to go back to my house, staggering, and I am going to go into the bathroom, and I am going to hug the porcelain throne, and then I am going to throw up, yes, fun, what? What? In our eating, in our drinking, in the way that we express our sexuality. Sounds a bit like Scrooge-like, doesn't it? But it's not. This is the pathway of life. Why should we Christians forsake the opportunity to live radically and differently? Because it's the birthday of our Savior. Surely, surely it's bigger even than that. What about the money? The average time in the UK to pay off Christmas debt is five months. More than a third of British people surveyed have already borrowed or planned to borrow money to cover the cost of Christmas presents. One in five, 21%, have borrowed or planned to borrow to put food on the Christmas table. And about 2.3 million people will not be able to make their basic household bills and will miss at least one payment because of Christmas. What am I saying? Am I saying don't have fun? Don't be generous? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying could we just stop and think? Can we not just run with the herd-like mentality that says you've got to spend X hundred pounds on each of the kids? Can we step out and away from the? Well, you can always pay it later. Could we be faithful? Well, the last thing is this. And thank you Pastor Dave, for allowing Kay and I not only to be with you in the various venues as we are yet again, but also to speak with a pastor's heart at this time to say, hey, have a great Christmas, but may it be different. Number four, let's have ourselves a very different Christmas as we're willing to trust in the face of mystery, as we're willing to trust in the face of mystery. For Joseph and for Mary, doing what they did was difficult. A sword pierced Mary's heart, the Bible tells us. There there was pain. And there was confusion. What about that day when the young adolescent Jesus is found in the temple and they've lost him and they can't find him? Do you think it might have been a little difficult for Joseph when without a hint of unkindness, Jesus says didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. I'm speculating here, but was there perhaps some pain as Joseph realized? I'm not your dad. There's mystery. And there was mystery because he's told to get up and Earlier, when the child had just been born, to evacuate and go to Egypt, a land of refuge, in the middle of the night. He's he's told, but he has to trust. And he has all of the parental responsibilities for raising a child, but he doesn't get to name it. No, no, he's denied that. And he probably died before the public ministry of Jesus began. But he trusted, and he obeyed. Mystery. As I conclude, I know, we know that Christmas can be a painful time when trust is especially required because there is a, an empty chair at the table, an unexplained conundrum in life and a mystery, but we have to trust. But with God's help, we can do it. As we come to prayer now, may we have a very merry Christmas, joyous Christmas, but somehow by the grace of God, could we perhaps have a very different Christmas too? Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the wonder of the Advent story. And we thank you for the example of a man often overlooked, who was such a key part of your purposes, quietly served you. We thank you for the kindness that is demonstrated through his life and we bow before you right now and we ask you Holy Spirit to help us because we are intentionally posturing ourselves available for kindness be it in the potential friction at times within families that gather be it an act of kindness shown to that lonely person that we attempted to pass by be it in the invitation to someone who so needs to hear the news of peace and who perhaps is just waiting for someone to say, why don't you come along to one of our Christmas events? So we bow before you because we'd like to make ourselves available. We bow before you because we'd like to tune in to anything that you might say That might even involve a significant change of direction. Would you speak? We pray for any here, any watching who right now are wanting to turn their lives over to you and become Christians. And wherever you find yourself, you can make that step, by the way, right now as I pause in prayer by just whispering in your heart to God, I, I need you. Please, I, I turn to you. Jesus, rescue me. Save me. Forgive me. Everything has been done. The table is set. Jesus has come. He's taught us how to live. He's died on the cross to deal with our sin that separates us from the Father. He's raised again. It's, ready. it's all ready. Just where you are, just whisper to Him. Surrender to him. Maybe come back to him. We pray for each other today that you will enable us in our eating and our drinking and our relationships and our spending. Would you help us to figure out what it means to be faithful. That we might not just walk in step with what we're being told by our culture. But that we might be noble representatives of your grace. And finally, Lord, we commend each other to you, especially those for whom trust is what's demanded now, where there are mysteries in their lives, question marks that they cannot cancel out, and they're trusting you. Would you grant them grace and strength and peace. We praise you because Advent says we need never be alone again. And as we now declare that truth in our worship, fill us afresh with your spirit, we pray. Can I invite you, please, to stand with me if you're able? Let's stand together and let's declare in song now. Not, let's not just sing a song. But let's declare our faith. And may we have, may we have a very different Christmas.